If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings, welcome to the Golf Betting System podcast. This is our Ricky Fowler Wins podcast. It's episode 267. We'll also be talking John Deere Classic, plus Made in Himalayan Bets. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selections for this week's PGA and DP World Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website where we have in-depth betting previews for both this week's events. We've got strokes gained analysis for both events. I've used mine uh, at the John Deere very, very much this week. Course form statistics combined with current form all of one chart plus the brand spanking new predictor models. All of this content like this podcast, it's completely free of charge with no paywall. Barry is at a good talk golf on Twitter. Paul is at golf betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts as ever. For those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Can I just say, we're now above 400 five-stars on Spotify as well. So if we could get to 500 quickly, that'd be amazing. If you're on Spotify, just simply press that five-star button. It's as easy as that. Now, This week's Apple review. Must listen for golf fans. Five stars. Love the insights, lads! Exclamation mark. And that's it. That's from a thousand and one ninja. And he's in Ireland. Thank you, ninja. Yeah, lovely stuff. These these reviews are getting shorter and sweeter by the the week, aren't they? They all can. You get extremes. You get essays and then you get three three, three words. Mm-hmm. They all count, though, Paul. Absolutely. They all count. Right, we can't avoid it any longer. We were all on Ricky Fowler last week. Talk me through it. I was shouting at the TV screen when he uh, missed... Not when he missed the putt on the par five, although I could see imminent doom at that point, but when he missed the fairway... Mm. On 17, the final par five, I did swear at him and say he was a bottle job. I'll be honest. Yeah. Old man shouts at TV. <laughs> the cliche. Yeah. Well, I didn't really shout as such. I was prepping dinner and watching it, so I kind of, uh, bottle job. And my wife looked at me and I said, uh, Ricky's just throwing it all away, and she just nodded because that's what she does most weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. I, I, let's, take it, let's take it from there. I mean, there was then, of course, the duff chip, although it was a difficult chip over the bunker. And then he's in the fringe for three. 
And uh, by that stage, I actually, as when he duffed the chip, or he didn't, but when he was short on the chip, I turned it off at that point. I thought, this is over. Over. So let's take it forward from that point. I think with Ricky, and we talked at length about how he might win his next tournament. And, mm. you know, the the summary, the assumption from, well, for me, certainly, and I think you guys to, to, to a degree agreed, it was that it needs to come from behind to win. So to see mm. him, you know, in the lead going into the final day, playing some fantastic golf. So, you know, a, a win wasn't going to be um, anything of a surprise. But it's almost as if he had to lose it to then go and win it. And yeah. 17 effectively lost him it. And then, you know, he needed to play that magnificent shot into uh, into the final hole to make birdie. And uh, that just gave him the impetus, I think, to to go forward and win in the, win an extra time. I mean, Hadwin gave him a, gave him the line on the part in the final hole. But even without that, I think, you know, there was a good chance that he'd have converted that because the momentum was back with him, having kind of mentally thrown it away. And then... Uh, yeah, back into pole position after the, uh, the fantastic 72nd hole birdie. Impressive stuff. Really, really pleased for him. And yeah, well done. And you, you put him up as your headline pick as well on the on the website, Steve. So congrats for that too. Thank you. Congrats to all of us. I do think he, he, he went, when he was three shots clear, he went into this, I'm going to play it safe mode, like mm. so many of them do. I'm not really going to go up pins. But there's a good bit of there's some reasonable logic attached to that. <clears throat> Doesn't like why add an unnecessary risk where you're you're bringing in yeah. that half shot where you you could be making a bogey, whereas you've mm -hmm. just got these lockdown pars and you've got outside chances of birdie. I mean, the rest of the guys have to come chasing him, and that's where they can make the mistakes or expose themselves to mistakes. So, mm -hmm. like, as much as you want somebody to just hit the accelerator and just rip off another two or three birdies, it's just not the way human beings perform um or, or you know the 99.9 percent .9 of human beings perform so mm. you can't you can't blame him for playing that slightly conservative strategy and the rest of them have to come after him and it's something we saw tiger doing for years like he just got in the lead and just plotted his way around and the rest had to come get him and if they did then it was go time it yep. just happened that the couple of drives, um, 16 and 17, I think he missed the fairway or the, the first cut by a cumulative one or two feet, which was, you know, that's the fine margins. But, you know, when it mattered the most and he had one shot to do it on 18, he stuck the approach to three feet. Um, that, um, that will give him unending confidence for the next few months, knowing that he did that in that moment. Mm. Yep. No, impressive stuff. We talked about birdies last week, and one of the stats that um, that I picked out was that he led the field for US Open birdies at uh, 23, mm. uh, and yeah. then made eight, 18 birdies and three eagles at the Travelers as well. And that continued, so 27 birdies and an eagle last week in Detroit. So the fact that he had that confidence of seeing the ball, finding the bottom of the cup so regularly... Um, making the red numbers, you know, he, he made a lot of bogeys as well, particularly at the US Open. But uh, yeah, it was it was a far cleaner card on a, an easier golf course in Detroit, and uh, the rest is history. Really, really impressed. Yeah, and as I say, really pleased that he's got that done for himself. Really, I think um, yeah, 
and the manner he did it, mm. I think, as, as as Barry said, that's going to bring a lot of confidence, especially now heading to a open championship venue where he had great success finishing runner-up yeah. to Rory McIlroy in 2014. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think, Barry? Uh, you, you've placed a bet, haven't you? It'll come as no surprise I'm already on him. Yeah. I used uh, quite a chunky portion of the winnings to just go for it. I don't know. I mean, if it wins, it wins. It'll be an amazing one. If it doesn't, so what? It's like free money. So, um, yeah, let's give it a rip. Mm. Was he now generally 25, something in that bracket? When I yeah, 25s, 28s. Like, I'd say, yeah, I mean, let's see what happens at the Scottish Open. That might <clears throat> mm. solidify a few of the higher or the, the players above him, and it might bump him out to 28. But I'd say probably not going to happen because going into the week he'll just become more and more popular with tipsters and fans and the weight of money should might compress his price even more yeah i can you guys yeah. see his price going in more likely than it'll go out I, yes i'd be surprised if it hovers around that same number to be honest um you know it, it won't get any bigger no unless he does something mad at the scottish open um, I think it'll be 25s, 28s. Mm, no, we want something somewhere between like T29 and T17 in the Scottish Open and then lift that claret jug. <laughs> that was very noticeable last week. No bookmaker in the UK, I'm not talking for North America, nobody at any point took that 14 to 1 and made it bigger on Fowler. Mm. Not one of them. That price never drifted. It was interesting. Bet three six five got their boosted price wrong. That eighteen to one on Monday morning, yeah. and yeah. I know because I've had some messages. A few people actually jumped on that and took it. Mm. So Boom. congratulations to you. Mm. Rare that bet three six five get one of those wrong. Yeah, yeah. They certainly didn't get Tommy Fleetwood at the Travellers wrong because he missed the cut. Yeah, it's, it's I, usually, usually the kiss of death, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, Noticeable as well last week, Colin Morikawa. That controllable fade is back. He's not... The miss has gone. Mm. I mean, he was very, very impressive the whole week. Just typically finding the fairway, 295, 2, 300 off the tee. Not the longest, but dead straight. That approach play was fabulous. The controllable fade. The miss to the left seems to have gone. He mentioned that to the press. Um, he's... Gonna score a victory very, very soon. It's just picking the right of him. Yeah. Very impressive for Morikawa. Mm, yeah, it's That's amazing, isn't it? They, they're coming towards the end, the end of the road now in terms of Ryder Cup selection, and the players that have just got a little bit of grey in terms of selection start to peak. We, we see this every year. Now that brings me to a conversation point, Justin Thomas. Now, I saw a tweet yesterday from um, at Nosferatu, the uh, world rankings expert on Twitter, and he put up a screenshot of the top 30 official world golf ranking points earners to the halfway point of 2023. And within that top 30, Justin Thomas did not appear. Mm -hmm. And that just got me thinking. 
I can't. I cannot foresee a, a, a parallel world where Justin Thomas does not get a captain's pick. But right now, and clearly, Brooks Kepka's PGA Championship victory and Wyndham Clark's U.S. Open victory has come kind of from left field, which has created some issues for big name players in Ryder Cup selection. Because at the moment, if you look go through it effectively, players of the following list, there's going to need to be a decision made on them. Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, Sam Burns, Cam Young. It would it would feel like two of those are going to miss out. Mm. And if someone like um, a Sahith Tigala or a Denny McCarthy or players of this ilk have a great July and August in the FedEx Cup, and these players continue to play badly. They, you know, there's real issues there. What are your What are your thoughts on Justin Thomas, who sits 68th in the FedEx Cup ranking? So don't forget, top 70 only make it to the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. I mean, we could see JT having to play the Wyndham Championship to actually get into that top 70. Yeah, and given how he's playing, there's no, it's not a foregone conclusion that he'll actually do well enough to be able to uh, to qualify no. from there. I mean, if you're missing the cut badly at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, you've got issues, haven't you? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he's got a god-given right to get a pick. To be honest, I th- I think you've got to be playing well enough. If he's, it gets to the point where he's in line for a pick, but playing awful golf, should he not just, you know, almost declare himself out because? If you're becoming you know, potentially a hindrance to the team, why should you? Why should you be taking a spot? I don't. It doesn't compute with me. But if he declares himself out, then that just admits complete and utter uh, loss to the the form that he's gone through, and probably mm. gives him even more psychological, you know, hurdles to get over to getting back yeah. to where he's at. I, yeah. I, and this is this, this is that, the point, though, is it? I mean, you just take the last two weeks; the pressure's been heaped on even more. Keegan Bradley gets his second victory of the year to jump mm. into the reckoning, and then, of course, his best mate Ricky Fowler wins. That's just heaping more and more pressure on these big name players that aren't playing well. Mm. Who, who, who's your? Okay, so look the the top six there: Schefter, Clark, Kepka, Schofley, Cantley, Homa. You got to think all of those are fairly secure right now um yep. then you've bradley speed morikawa you're not mm. going to kick any of them off based on what not they're really. doing so then does does dj get a pick from from live does that would make 10 if he does and then ricky you feel has to be uh, a spot at this stage unless he has a cataclysmic falling off of form like he's just playing so good the Ryder cups in what 10 11 weeks Mm. There's one, so that, then you're down to one spot, mm. or two if you don't pick DJ. So then it gets tight between Young, Burns, yeah. Thomas, McCarthy. If D, if DJ was winning lived events, it's a different conversation. But he's not. Mm. I, I don't. I don't think DJ gets the pick, and and Kepka clearly gets the pick. <clears throat> he has to. He's a major champion this year. So Kepka is a, the live player that gets it. I mean, there's chat about Taylor Gooch, who's now won three. Yeah, but. But I, I, there's, I can't see that in a million years. But yeah, it, it would appear to me when you work it all through, there's going to be two captain's picks from 
A lot. JT, Tony Finau, Cam Young, Sam Burns, and any other player that might find form, a Tagala, a McCarthy. You know, there's a there's a there's three or four there that have had a good year, and if, if they can get a good finish to it, that's really heaping pressure on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Some big events to come, the playoffs to come, as you say. You know, someone can make a make a real run at it from a relatively you know, middling position right now. I think Tony Fee now, though, is very, very similar to Ricky. You know, you, you've literally got to hold a gun to his head and then he'll realise, oh, I need to win something here. And he'll, he'll go and win 3M Open at 12 to 1, the other side of the uh, the other side of the Open Championship. Who'd have thought he'd be in trouble? And then as soon as Tony gets his victory, he's like, oh, Tony's going to get a pick. He's just won. Yeah. Who'd have thought Fina would be in trouble after like the spurt he had at the end of last year? Yeah. I know. He's isn't he? He's like he's like seventeenth or eighteenth in those rankings. Yeah. He's way down. And the putter is so bleak at the moment. I mean, he was another to miss the cut of the Rocket Mortgage. And Matsuama. There was quite a few big names. Yeah, there was. Just yeah. Didn't even get into the weekend. Yeah. Tom Kim. Hmm. Right, shall we talk golf action then, chaps? Let's talk John Deere Classic. I, I'm, um, it's not the best field, I, I grant you, but the John Deere Classic never tends to be. But I quite like it as a betting proposition. Um, in terms of best bookmaker for the 2023 John Deere Classic, we're highlighting Bet365, who as ever have their each-way extra market available, which gives you the option to increase or decrease the number of places when you are betting pre-event on the John Deere outright market. I've used their eight places each way at 150 odds market, specifically on four of my five selections this week. Right now, as we record the pod Tuesday morning in the UK, they are offering market best odds and extended eight places each way on market leagues such as and this will tell you about the quality of the John Deere Classic field. Russell Henley at 16 to 1. Doesn't really trip off the tongue. Lucas Aberg, 25 to 1. Adam Hadwin, 28 to 1. We've got Schenk at 30 to 1. Uh, Eric Cole at 33 to 1. Or how about Matt Kuchar? He's 66 to 1 with Bet365. He's as short as 45 to 1 with Treble 8 Sport. We recommend Bet365. If you are 18 plus and do not have a Bet365 sports account, you can find details of their current Bet10 pounds, get 30 pounds in free bets, new customer promotion, plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's in this podcast description. Don't forget to use the bonus code. Paul, what is the bonus code? Sports30, Sports30. When registering. There we go. Yeah, I got four of my five away on Bet365 yesterday, which I was more than happy with. So we've got eight places each way in the bag. Right. I forget, Paul. I do apologise, and you probably don't want to talk about it, but Guido Migliozzi (laughs) at... (laughs) Guido Migliozzi at the uh, Betfred British Masters. I'm sorry what happened there, mate. I was quite pleased we just skirted straight over the top Sorry. of it, to be honest. You, you don't have to say anything, but I just had to mention it, because otherwise someone would be the, tweeting going, you didn't mention Guido's collapse when you were there, on him at 66-1 to one last week. There are no words, Steve. That's why we're not talking about no. it. 
Okay. Wow. What a chance he had to like really pop his hand up as a to put himself in the conversation. Sunday yeah. morning, I thought he was going to get the job done. Yeah. I, he went into the final day um, well, from the final group. Yost Loughton was the marginal favourite with the bookies, and I just didn't get that. It, it really didn't compute to me because we saw what Yost did the week before, got into a position to win, and um, it, it, you talk about playing defensive, it was kind of uber defensive. Um, yeah, I thought Guido was going to win it, and it... I don't know what happened to his long game on that front nine. He hit one fairway and some of the misses were awful. Um, shot 43 on the outbound outbound nine and it just absolutely disappeared from sight. There you go. It was like watching you and me on the fifth at Red Bull, wasn't it? <laughs> just hacking it into the farmer's field next door it's, and then reloading and doing it exactly the same. It's just unfathomable sometimes what you what you witness from from what the position he found himself in. But yeah, yeah, we move on. <sighs> anyway, let's talk about the John Deere Classic. Although yeah. it's, you know, with, with this quality of field, it's not exactly uh, uh, worth talking about. Yes, Russell Henley is the in spots fourteen to one favourite for this. Uh, next up, Denny McCarthy. To be fair, they're joint favourites. In fact, uh, Russell Henley's twelve to one in a place. He's in fact he's short as elevens with some bookmakers. So M- Henley the favourite elevens. McCarthy's available at fourteens. We're then out to Cam Young at twenties. Really has not performed at all since the Florida Swing Cam Young. Uh, Lude the new European sensation that is Ludwig Aberg twenty five to one. Hadwin. Can he back up that playoff defeat last week at 28 to 1? Then Schenk at 30s with Taylor Moore. Grillo at 33s. Mitchell at 33s. Eric Cole, Chris Kirk at 33s. 35 to 1, bar the rest. Right. We are talking. I mean. You've always got to feel a bit sorry for John Deere. I mean, they throw a fortune at the PGA Tour. They run a brilliant event, but just the way that this is always played, of course, it's in Illinois. They can't play it really any earlier in the year. And it's just always eclipsed by the Open Championship. So the field's never the greatest. But if you're in the Midwest, apparently it's the fifth major. That's what Zach Johnson always used to say, wasn't it? It was his fifth major because he was from Iowa. So, yeah, it's not, not a bad idea to run through the list of players that actually come from Midwest State. They might actually uh, they might actually give a toss about this tournament this week. Uh, but as I always say, there's a two-year exemption. There's a load of money. And I would have thought the winner's going to end up probably in the top 50 of the FedEx Cup uh, mm. standing. So, uh, or the top 70. So there's a load of dollar to be made for the winner this week. It's played at TPC Deer Run. It's a very, very stock par 71. It's short, 7,289 yards. It has three holes with water in play. The fairways are South Shore bent grass. The rough is Kentucky bluegrass with fine fescue. It's four inches in length, which is the same that we saw at Detroit Golf Club last week. The greens, slightly bigger, 5,500 square feet on average. They feature L. 93 bent grass, stint meter 12. This time last year, it played 69.88 for the full tournament, which was 
under par. Uh, basically top 15 in terms of easiest courses, and it tends to be that every year. It's a birdie fest. Uh, the other thing of note, fairways, they're 33, uh, 36 yards wide at 300 yards carry. Now, if what I compare that to River Highlands two weeks ago for the Travellers, they were 29 yards wide. So seven yards wider than TPC River Highlands at the Travellers Championship. You can just tell. I mean, you just look at the driving accuracy numbers around here. You can be bottom of the category and still be 65, 66%. So finding fairways here is very easy, and it's then just go time on your approach play. Uh, two of the three par fives are reachable to everybody, including even Ches Reevy. So yeah, it's bombs away, effectively. Poston won this at 21 under last year. Glover, the year before, 19 under. Fratelli, 21 under. Michael Kim, record underscore par, 27 under. Bryson DeChambeau, people might not remember this, but this was that was his maiden PGO Tour victory in 2017. He won in a harder renewal when it was windier, 18 under par. And then you've got the likes of Ryan Moore, Jordan Spieth Trice, Brian Harmon, Zach Johnson, Steve Stricker three times on the trot. Kind of tells you what you need. Mm. You've got to be straight off the tee. Uh... If you're straight and long, even better. You could put Fritelli in that category. Maybe even Lucas. Lucas is quite long off the tee when he wants to be. But basically, it's a wedge fest and who can make the most putts. I must say, and these things do change, the last four winners have all been AMPM on their waves. Poston, Glover, Fritelli, Michael, Kim. Now, clearly, when I'm writing my tips on a Monday morning and a Monday lunchtime... I've got no idea what the waves are going to be. But uh, the last four winners have all come. Thursday morning, Friday afternoon waves. Don't know anything about it. That's likely to change, but that's just the fact of the matter. Also, the last five winners, I can't count, four winners, have all been out. Um, the, the lowest in terms of official world golf ranking, 99. That was posting last year. But at the end of the day, that's just down to the quality of field because you yeah. never get the best quality here. Nothing else to say about it, really. Pure bent grass greens. Um, when I look at courses that I think correlate from a winner's perspective, I think there's something in here about Harbour Town. There's definitely something in here about Colonial, which would make sense. They're bent grass greens on a short golf course down in Texas. I'll tell you what else. Uh, Jackson. I know that's a bit of a weird one. But JT Poston has finished third at the Sanderson Farms. Lucas Glover has finished fifth, and Dylan Fratelli, after he won here, finished sixth at the Sanderson Farms. So, that brings into play players of the ilk of a Sepp Straka, who I came very close on this week, but didn't actually tip him up. Sedgefield as well. Fairly obvious, isn't it? JT Poston took his yeah. first... Uh, victory at the Wyndham. Mm. Um, Lucas Glover's had a top seven there, and you do see a lot of Wyndham Championship positive players at the top of these leaderboards. Makes sense, doesn't it, I suppose? That's another short, that's a 70, but very, very scorable. Yeah, yeah. It's a birdie fest at the end of the day. 
Uh, I haven't really got that much to add. Weather-wise, I think we're it's it looks perfect. To be fair, it's been hammering down with rain for the last five days over there. Uh, over the weekend, it was battering down. The course is going to be soft. It looked like there could be rain on Pro-Am Wednesday. It was as high as 75 to 80% potential. I think they're going to arrive here on Thursday with a lovely, soft, receptive golf course. And it's gone, boys. Go and have your fill. Yeah, make some birdies. Go and make some birdies and eagles. The other thing I did note, and this is in my preview, which there is a link to in the description. There'll also be a link to Paul's Made in Himaland as well. I know it's all a bit counterintuitive. I personally would take a look at the bogey avoidance numbers on the PGA Tour this year. Because there's definitely... I mean, Poston last year was in the top third for bogey avoidance the year that he went. And that kind of makes sense because what you can't be doing here is going birdie, bogey, birdie, birdie, bogey. It's You've got to keep a clean card. Bogies are your enemy because when you're making bogey and guys are making eagle, eventually that's going to catch. I'm talking in terms of winning. Mm. Eventually, you just you're creating too big an issue to actually catch that back. So, a, players that are good at keeping their cards clean, I don't think it's a bad look this week. Because I think you're going to get a lot of players in this field that make lots of birdies, but conversely make loads of bogeys too. And it's a tricky little course. If you're short-siding yourself on some of these holes, you are making bogey. There's fine lines between a a six-foot a six putt for birdie or six-foot the other side of the pin and then you're rolling down the bank into some quite chunky rough for an up and down and not making birdie. Right, I've gone for five. Uh, I'm into this... Uh, Ricky Fowler again, fourteen to one. I'm very much into this sub twenty eight to one, and sixty six to eighty to one winner segments. Um, it it seems to be something that's real. This thirty three to sixty to one range aren't producing winners right now. So I've kind of gone down the tranche of three sub thirty five to one. And two at eighty to one this week, eighty and a ninety to one chance. Um, Joe at the preferred pod, uh, preferred lines podcast. He is a Denny McCarthy trooper, a truther. And I, after Ricky last week, I've been mentioning Denny to win something very very soon. So I just had to jump on Denny McCarthy. So sixteen to one, I got bet three six five eight places each way on Denny McCarthy, who is unbelievably 14th in the data golf rankings. That's pretty mad. He's Mm. 14th in the world in terms of players in their statistical data golf rankings. That just tells you how well the guys play. But, yeah, this is 159th start. He's never won. And I put in my preview, you know, the likes of Jimmy Walker, it took him 187 events to get his first win. Tom Hoagie. 202. So, yeah, I think Denny, I mean, I noticed this last week, Paul. Um, Last year, our predictor model that I built had JT Poston as number one, and I Mm. completely ignored him. (laughs) 
He came in at 55 to 1 after yeah, finishing yeah. second, the outing before the Travellers. Mm. This year around, Denny McCarthy is just, I, I couldn't get him, couldn't get rid of him from the top of the predictor model. How, no matter how hard I, I tried, he's actually over two. Uh, 175 points higher than the second place person on that predictor model, who is Adam Hadwin. Mm. So I just had to go for it. So Denny's in for me. Uh, 16 to 1. Um, I, I personally would take Denny over Russell Henley on what I think is a putter's assignment. You, you're going to struggle to win this without making plenty of putts and actually having quite a positive strokes going putting metric. So team no putt, you've got to have a spiky putter that actually does deliver something with the putter. Yeah. And we can't guarantee that with a lot of the players in this. You can't guarantee that with Russell Henley. No, no, Lucas Glover, when he won, he managed to pluck that week out, didn't he? It's, um, yeah, it's, it's not, not assured. At least you know with Denny, the boy can, boy can putt, can't he? So I went two and a half points to one on 16 to one on Denny. Next up for me was Adam Schenk. And again, he's another one that's trending towards a victory. Shanks played some beautiful golf this this year. 26th in the FedEx Cup standings. He's 51st now in the world. Just one big result now. And you think it through. He's going to be pretty much going to be right in the running for the Tour Championship at the end of the year. He's definitely going to be in the top 50 that guarantee those lucrative designated events in 2024. There's a lot on offer for Schenk right now. Just needs one more big performance. And the other thing I like about him is that he's got that Midwest connection. He's an Indiana guy, and he actually lives in Vincennes, which is just the Indiana side of the border with Illinois. So I would assume that this tournament actually means quite a bit a deal to him. It's like a local event. Sixth here in 2019, fourth here in 2021. And we know this year was Schenk, second at the Valspar when he went head-to-head with Spieth and Fleetwood. Taylor Moore eventually took that. Second at the Charles Swab, where he lost in a playoff to Emiliano Grio. That one must have stung because he was three clear going into Sunday, I believe. Seventh at the Memorial and then again seventh last week at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So he's playing some fantastic golf. So Schenk, 30-1, to I took that as well. One and a half points each way. Again, bet three six five by that each way extra facility. So I've got eight places on that. The last one I took sub thirty five to one, and I was amazed I got thirty five to one because everywhere else he was being lined up at twenty eights and thirties. We haven't really spoke about this guy on the podcast, but this Eric Cole guy, he is absolutely fearless as a rookie, isn't he? Mm-hmm. But you actually look into his history, Eric Cole. It's pretty amazing. Um, a 56-time winner on minor league golf tour in the United States. He reminds me a little bit of Ted Potter Jr. He's not afraid of winning. And when he finished 24th at the Travellers in Connecticut a few weeks ago, he then drove, or tr- flew, I presume, to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, And he won the Frank B. Fuhrer Invitational, which they played from Monday to Wednesday over four rounds. And he won that by nine shots, right? 
Hardly surprising. <laughs> he donated the $20,000 first prize back to the founder's family as a mark of respect for their charity, mm. which I thought was class. Yeah, nice touch. But this Eric Cole, he's a player. He's a proper, proper player. And we have seen two rookies take this out, going way back to Sean O'Hare. So players in their first year that have actually had a half-decent season come and win this. And in this depressed field, in this low-grade field, Eric Cole has been playing some amazing stuff. You might remember he lost in a playoff to Chris Kirk at the Honda Classic back in February. Since then, he's had a fifth at the Mexico Open. 15th at the PGA Championship. I remember that because on the Sunday he was absolutely red hot and shot a very low round to get that 15th. 6th at the RBC Canadian Open and then 24th last time out at the designated Travellers Championship. So he's playing some cracking stuff. He was actually 4th after 36 holes at that Travellers and then went slightly backwards under the pressure of the scoreboard and the, and the names at the top of it. But he's playing some great stuff. So that's my top three. I've got Cole at 35-1. to one. I managed to get that with William Hill. I think it lasted for about 15 minutes and then got taken off. I'm one and a half points on Cole. Uh, one and a half on Schenk at 30s. And then Denny, 16-1. to one. Right, over to you two. I, I've got no idea who you guys are going with. So over to you. You start, Paul. Yeah, well, I've only got one in that kind of bracket, and then I've got two two longer prices. But the one I have backed at thirty three to one, uh, you mentioned him a minute ago, Emiliano Grillo. Oh no, Paul! How could you? Yeah, oh, I, do no, you know, Paul? How could you? It's <laughs> God's sake! You know, I, I I've not got quite as an extensive uh, post it note as you, Steve. But Grillo's been one that I've avoided for a long time. Um, Back to his, uh, what was European tour days when I backed him on some, I forget, it's one of these ones that just disappears into the back of your mind because you don't want to remember it. But um, there were a number of bad beats back in the day. So um, he's a kind of a name that I just skirt over. But I looked at him him in the context of this field this week, his relative position on on, on the betting market. And I think 33 to 1, is probably mm. a little bit of value, really. And it's, yeah. it's an awful field. This guy won at Colonial <coughs> at the end of May. Uh, he closed with a 64 at the Travellers, scoring well. He was second here last year, and he came in of far, far worse form than he is right now. Uh, and if you look at the variables um, that we put into the predictor model for um, that are specific to this event, then you're not going to find anyone who's got a better all-round set than, than Grio in this field. Yeah. Uh, he, he tops your stats for bent grass um, performances. He tops your stat for soft green performances right up there in terms of low-scoring resorts, Hests, Upstate, Par 71, the whole the whole lot. Um, Grio's name just uh, kind of <laughs> percolates towards the top. Uh, and the boy, when you know, when it all clicks, he can part. He was second for strokes game putting when he won at Colonial, um, what, four or five weeks ago? Um, I think he can go well this week. I really do. He's the one I fear. Mm. He is the one I fear. It, if what it was a crazy a- world it would be, Barry, if Emiliano Grillo was to win twice on the PGA Tour in an eight-week stretch. <laughs> Just like if it was anybody else's name attached to those stats and metrics, we'd all be on him without even thinking twice. Mm, it's true. just it's the history that of his his performances it's our inbuilt, that have it's our yeah. inbuilt bias, Barry. Yes, big time. I agree. 
I think you're. I think that's a good bet, Paul. And I did think actually his price for this quality of field was decent yeah. for a guy that hasn't taken when he's actually won. He hasn't as if as he, he's put his feet up and you know smoking cigars and drinking you know tequilas all the time. He's actually just buckled down and continued to play good golf. Yeah. Yeah, and as I say, fifteen for the travellers, um, mm. and in a, in a uh, the quality of the field compared to this week is just chalk and cheese. What about you, Barry? Anyone in this uh, sort of thirty sub forty to one range for you this week? Uh, I, I just put a bet on Aberg. Um, it's, it's more. It's more just a thought that some first wins have happened here and he's playing some, some pretty nice golf and starting to, you know, just starting to figure out a few things, you know, on, on how he plays when he's in certain positions on the leaderboard. So it's, um, it's a bit speculative, um, but maybe he does it. He's, uh, he's pretty talented. Mm. After that, um, I'm, I'm further out and two of mine match up with two of yours, Steve. So you will put it far nice. more eloquently than uh, than I would. Well, no, you mentioned them because it gives me some time off. <laughs> go go um, for it. I'll chime in. Yeah, well, I've gone for Ches Reevy. Mm. It feels like um, he's been playing you know, some really nice stuff the last couple of weeks and... Just quite, hasn't quite, you know, obviously fourth was good, but, you know, 29th last week was a little bit of a foot off the gas. But this one should really be a target for him in his head because it's uh, he doesn't need to be able to get the ball out there at 320. Um, yeah. and, and when he gets putting, he really can't put and go low. So those are the couple of reasons um, that I've backed him. You have way more backup than I would for a bet. And... I'd like to hand over to you to bring it home. <laughs> I think I miscalculated last week. I genuinely think that that Detroit Golf Club, you have to have some power off the tee. And Ches just hasn't got it. But actually, this golf course is pretty perfect for him. I mean, you've just got to go through those winners, haven't you? Zach Johnson, Ryan Moore. I mean, these are 285 hitters. And that's Ches territory. And he was first, I believe, for strokes gained on approach last week. He was absolutely spanking his approach play. And he actually had a negative week with the putter, which is going against what he's been doing recently. So, you know, in in re- you know, in conclusion, Reeve's approach play with the Irons is amazing. His putting is top ten in this field over the last eight weeks. I thought eighty to one was a gift, to be honest. Hmm. And he finished fifth here in 2011. And then 2021, he was 18th. You think, mm, okay, 18th. But we actually scratched the surface. He shot 64-67 on Thursday, Friday. He was third going into the weekend. And he was still only three shots back of Sebastian Munoz on Sunday. Uh, he was tied for eight going into Sunday. So he clearly gets on with the course. So yeah, Ches, I think Ches is one of those. I mean, I was I was floating around Alex Smalley and you're know, like forty to one. Well, forty to one isn't really winning at the moment. That isn't a price point, but eighty to one is. And Alex Smalley can't putt. He's absolutely team no putt, and you need to be a putter here. So in the end, I was like, yeah, Reevy, perfect price point for winners, 
and the perfect game for this golf course. And it would be our luck, wouldn't it? You know, we've been talking, sniffing around Reavy since, I don't know, since the colonial event. And it would be the week where we're not on him. And guess what? Bang, 80 to 1, Ches Reavy. Mm. So, yeah, I'm on him. Uh, the second one I went at that price point, and I think you're referring to him, is Lucas Glover. Do you want to talk mm. to me about Lucas Glover, Baron? Uh, not afraid to go low. And that's what yep. really attracted me. And when his wedge game is on, it's just uh, it's pretty special to watch. So I didn't have to put too much thought into it once I saw the the price and where he was popping on the um, on the predictor model. I couldn't kind of get him away from the the higher end of the board. So yeah, in my particular model, he was sixth. And Paul said earlier about Grio, it's when you start looking at these historical stats, soft golf courses, tick. Par 71, tick. Resort level scoring courses, tick. Got it all. And the thing that really no- I noticed last week, I mean, on the TV coverage, every time they showed him, he was he was just slinging in his approach shots to about three feet, wasn't he? <laughs> it, was, it was pretty mad. But actually, he was fifth for strokes gained. Uh, he was fifth last week for strokes gained on approach. But the number that grabbed me... Over the week, fifth for strokes game putting. Lucas Glover? Mm. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's in. The other thing is, he's still 130th in the standing, so it's not as if he can just put his feet up. He needs another big, big result to, to get that t- get back into that top 125 or have a sniff of getting into that top 70 for the for the very, very fruitful playoffs in a, in a month's time. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm on Glover. Um, where are you at, Paul? So we're we're, we're both on reeving Glover. So where are your final tips on this? The um, you've almost convinced me on Glover. Um, actually, I haven't backed him yet, but um, I'll, yeah, it's, it's certainly food for thought. The uh, the the way you've articulated his chance and the way he's been playing. The what the two I've backed, I have backed Sam Ryder at hundred to one. Yeah, he's still not one on the PGA Tour, but for me, this is the right kind of level. Uh, won the Canadian Tour back in 2015 at 20 under, won at um, 21 under uh, on what was the web.com tour back in 2017. So the right kind of target score, I think. And been playing some reasonable stuff. Eighth, Mayakoba, um, and that was only let down by one round. Um, outside of that, he shot 64, 65, 65. Uh, fourth at Torrey, where he led for three days. Uh, third at the Texas Open more recently. Flashed a little bit of form last week as well. Open with a 65. He was third after the first day. Uh, and second on debut back here in 2018. So for me, he's best on kind of shorter, scoreable tracks. Third for the season to date for strokes game putting as well, which is a, a stat that stuck out for me. So I thought hundreds of one. Uh, again, with eight places, I thought that was a a good position to take with Sam Ryder. Uh, the other one's a bit more speculative. Uh, Andrew Landry at three hundred to one, and he's oh, yeah. the he's <laughs> yeah, the saw. Yeah, yeah. He, he he just popped up, didn't he, last week in Rocket Mortgage? Yeah, yes, that's right. He shot a uh, sixty-three, I think it was, in the second round last week. Um, but he is the sort who just pops up mm. from absolutely nowhere and, and wins at a and mad wins. price, and then just disappears again, doesn't he? So three hundred to one, hugely speculative. Um, could well miss the cut equally. Could win or or finish inside the top uh, top eight. Um, sixth in twenty sixteen here, third in twenty nineteen. So it's got a bit of course form as well. 
And as you say, uh, double that up with the fact that he did actually flash that uh, very low round last week. Um, one one to keep on side, I think. Potentially one for first round leader as well, because um, it could be a, a mad opening round and then uh, you know go full Keegan after that. But uh, we'll see. But yeah, Landry, Ryder and uh, Grillo for me. I'm not sure so Landry would. That's the point. He Once he gets up there... He's a Ted Potter Jr. sort, mm. isn't he? He's, yeah. he's deadly, mate. Yeah. He's a Jim Hermanator. He is. Yeah, there's, there's a few in that in that bracket who, uh, they when they win, it is a mad price, but um, it's not a complete shock because you've seen them do it before. Mm. Three three straight missed cuts. Uh, sorry, three straight made cuts after a season of absolutely nothing. Mm. Six and a half thousand. On um, DraftKings, that is a play, listeners. If you're playing DK this week, get yourself on Landry. Because that is a cracking play. Right, on to the Made in Himalayan poll. Mm. Yes, uh, off to Denmark. For, well, what is now a regular feature on the DP World Tour. Formerly known as the Made, uh, made in Denmark, the Made in Himalayan as it is nowadays full field 156 um it's been quite a little lot of movement actually in the market since uh, i published yesterday and since the first show yesterday morning uh, we've now got joint favorites nikolai hoigard 18 to 1 and alexander bjork who's been backed in quite heavily both of them 18 to 1 best price thjorbjorn olsen 20 to 1 jordan smith 22s rasmus hoigard 22 to 1 as well uh, then you've got the likes of Yannick Paul, Adrian Otegi, Bob McIntyre, 25 to 1, 33 to 1 bar those players. Again, as as is pretty typical for these DP World Tour events, Boyle Sports are going eight places each way as their standard market. Bet365 have their eight places each way options, so do check those guys out if you're placing or when you're placing your bets, just to make sure that you're not getting uh, worse value than you could be from one of those bookies we are at the back tea course at uh, himmeland golf resort and spa in denmark it's hosted since 2014 and that's with the exception of 2018 when it was hosted on a different track and then 2020 when there was no event because of covid so there's a fair bit of data to plow through on the event form stats on the site there's also a little bit of challenge tour form and nordic event form as well um, which you can dig into if you have an awful lot of time not quite so extensive with this week's field but there are a few players dotted around who have played some of those lower tier events so if you want to really do a deep dive into the data um, check out the uh, Himalayan results from the Challenge Tour and the Nordic Tour over the, over the years. Now, the course itself, it can stretch up to around 7,400 yards, but it doesn't play that long. They've never played it anywhere close to that length um, in the years that we've, uh, we've been visiting for the DP World Tour. This year, they've listed it as a 6,646-yard 6, par 70. Now... There's always the caveat with the DP World Tour. These things can change. They've got four or five teeing um, areas on each hole. So they can flex this how they like. But it tends to play sub 7,000 yards. They've converted the par 5 eighth into a long par 4, um, according to the website, for this year as well. So it's going to play a 70 as, uh, rather than a 70 to one, uh, 71, as it has done for the previous years. So just think... Um, 
short fiddly course is effectively the way that you'd need to look at it. Um, although it is exposed, it's Linksy in style, um, kind of an inland Lynx in that respect. So, um, yeah, it, it, there are some courses you can correlate with it over on the um, on the circuit for being short and uh, short and exposed. Five sub four hundred yard par fours. We've got the um, short sixteenth Himalayan Hill, which plays well on the card one hundred and twenty eight yards. But again, they can make it super short if they want, kind of ninety yards or thereabouts if they want to want to bring the tee up a little bit. And, uh, and there's, it, it, there's a lot of fun that they have on this course and this uh, and that particular hole as well. Bent grass greens throughout. Good good quality bent grass greens. You can make some putts if you can find the surfaces. But um, yeah, a, a nice fun event, I think in general um, over there in Denmark now the weather forecast again with these exposed short exposed tracks you need a bit of wind we are going to get a bit of wind on Thursday uh, maybe 15 to 20 miles an hour it could gust a little bit higher than that as well so it could be quite a tricky day on Thursday and it starts to taper off a little bit on Friday Saturday and Sunday looks glorious it looks sunny um, water wall sunshine temperatures up to 25 centigrade so 77 Fahrenheit by Sunday so it should be a lovely end to the weekend for those guys who managed to navigate through Thursday in particular and then then Friday um, in terms of winners at this event just to give us a flavor of the kind of scores and prices 2014 was Mark Warren he was a 30 to one shot at nine under winning here 2015 David Horsey 80 to one at 13 under par 2016 was Thomas Peters at 12 to 1. He shot 17 under. 2017 was Julian Suri at 60 to 1. He shot 19 under. Um, we had a little bit of a deviation then because in 2018, Matt Wallace won. We were on Matt Wallace that week, 40 to 1. That was on a different track. So do bear that in mind when you're going through the history. Bernd Wiesberger won then in 2019 at 70 to 1 at 14 under. He um, effectively defended two years later. There was no event in 2020 due to COVID. 2021, he defended at 20 to 1, shooting 21 under. Same winning score last year for Oliver Wilson, who was a massive 200 to 1 shot last year. And if you remember, he absolutely putted his way to victory over the last few holes to, uh, to pip Ewan Ferguson um, to win at 200 to 1. Now, there are some stats for this. Um, there's traditional stats. They don't tell us a massive amount because there is a lot of variation in the styles and the stats of the winners here. The only real correlation is when you dig into the three years of strokes gain data. At Wiesberger, he was second and third for strokes gain approach when he won. Oliver Wilson was eighth for strokes gain approach. So some correlation consistency there. Wiesberger was third and first for strokes gain tee to green. Oliver Wilson was fourth for strokes gain tee to green. So in that respect, approach, strokes gain tee to green, the two key metrics that came out of uh, the three events where we've had strokes gain data recorded. And of course, I mean, when push came to shove last year, it was Oliver Wilson's putter. Uh, that really took off right at the right at the end. So, I think to get to you know what was a winning score of twenty one under, you need to have a reasonably warm putter. I'm not convinced they're going to get quite that deep this year because Thursday, um, in particular, could be quite a challenging day. As I've said, um, yeah, they, they may be getting mid teens, I guess, by the time they get through to the weekend. But even so, I think you're going to need a decent long game. You're going to need to be able to play the wind, particularly over the first couple of days. 
Um, and then you're going to need to be able to make some birdies over the weekend when it all uh, all dies down a little bit. Um, in terms of incoming form, again, there's not, not much to shout about, really. The last two winners, Wiesberger, his, his best result um, was 34th from his last six incoming events. Oliver Wilson's best again for the last six was 33rd so neither of those guys had particularly sparkling form I mean Wiesberger if you'd been backing him at 20 to 1 um, you know that would have been more on his position relative to the field in terms of overall quality and the fact that he'd previously won in 2019 there wasn't much there to suggest that he was playing some great golf but you know win he did um, so, we, his- so we need someone that's completely out of form Paul not completely. But. <laughs> it's a, this is an easy betting assignment, this one. Yeah, isn't it? it's one of these, isn't it? I mean, if you look mm. historically, Wilson had finished fourth here the year before, so there was some course form to, mm. to draw back on. Uh, Wiesberger was defending, so you know, mm. perhaps you could uh, you could use that it's a course, course form thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then if you go back prior to that, then there was a couple of debutants ones. So you know, all of these things, it swings and roundabouts, I suppose. I, the other thing you've got to consider. Um, and I think it is worth considering. We've got Open Championship qualifying happening today. Mm. Um, four different venues. There's 19 spots up for grabs. And there's a fair number of players in the field who are playing on these various locations over here in uh, in the UK. So when they've all finished today, then, they'll then be flying over um, for well, for, for Wednesday and for Thursday start over in Denmark. So there's a lot of travel involved. There's a lot of play involved for some of the players here this week. I did tweet the details um, of who's playing where yesterday. So if you're interested in that, um, then uh, dig out that tweet from me yesterday. Um, but uh, yeah, worth considering because some of the players, um, I guess if they qualify, they may all just drop out. Um, yeah, they, they may feel that their job is done, and they then be um, then then be preparing for the Open Championship in a couple of weeks' time. But we'll, we'll see. Anyway, back to the back to this week. I've backed four players in total this week. Uh, at the top, I don't know. I, I've, Nikolai Hoygaard He's got a poor record here. Miscut, miscut, fortieth miscut. But you can't ignore the fact that he's been playing at a high level. Um, 21st last week over in Detroit um, you know he's been put at the top of the market for a reason uh, Rasmus is an easier one to ignore he um, was pulled out the last couple of events with uh, what was reported as a rib injury um, he's still in the field as we stand as, as we talk on Tuesday morning I'm just a bit wary about his uh, uh, his health at the moment. Alexander Bjork was uh, was tempting, um, but he was being absolutely backed off the boards yesterday when I was uh, when I was doing my research, which kind of put me off. Fourteens in places now, so um, that seems a little bit short for me with Bjork. The one I did back um, towards the top, um, he opened at twenty five. So I backed him at twenty two to one with eight places. There's still a bit of twenty to one out there right now, and that's Thorbjorn Olsen. And uh, Thorbjorn is looking for a four, uh, for a second win rather, fourth win, second win of the season to to keep up his uh, aspirations of a Ryder Cup spot. We've seen lots of multiple winners. I talked about this last week: Tristan Lawrence, Adrian Moronk, Pablo Larathabel, um, Oki Strydem. Um, all of them won twice so far on the tour, and Olsen could uh, become the fifth member of that club this week I think Thailand was where he won that was his seventh tour victory since then he's finished sixth in India third at the Sudal Open 15th last week when he was defending at the Belfry now 
he could have been much, much closer at the Belfry as well. Two big mistakes. He tripled the par five third on Saturday, put it in the water twice when he was going for the green. Um, but double bogey on Sunday. Other than that, he would have been right in the mix. And um, you know, when you're defending, there's different things going on, different things in your mind, different uh, motivations, I guess. I think um, that will free him up back on his home home soil this week um, and could potentially go really close. Long game's been great this season. 21st for off the tee, 16th for approach, 6th for strokes going tee to green for season to date. Statistical numbers. And uh, 7th here on debut back in 2014. I really like the chances of Thorbjorn Olsen this week, I must say. Um, so I've backed him. I've also backed Adrian Otegi. And again, Otegi's been uh, nibbled in um, since yesterday. 28 to 1, I picked him up at yesterday. 25 to 1, the best price right now. Now, Otegi's been out of action for the whole of June. Um, and that was after he reportedly received his four-event ban um, from the DP World Tour for previous live involvement. So um, he's back playing mm-hmm. this week. I think there's every reason to think that he's going to want to come back and you know, effectively stick two fingers up to the tour and win this, I think. He won at Valderrama last October. Um, and last time we saw him play um, at KLM Open, um, I think KLM Open, that's at Bernardus Golf. It's another exposed, exposed linksy style track. He finished second. Uh, first for strokes going tee to green. Fifth for strokes going approach. Long game is really working. Seventh for strokes going off the tee. Uh, got some good form here as well. Five cuts made from five attempts. Finished third back in 2016. And if you're thinking, well, potentially going to come into this rusty, bear in mind that two of his wins came after three-week breaks. So he can hit the ground running after a, a bit of time off. It sounds like he's been keeping himself um, active as well. He's been playing on some of the, uh, the kind of the local minor tours as well um, while he's been serving his, uh, his June off. And, um, yeah, I think he can hit the ground running the Tagi. We shall see. Um, third one I've backed is Matthew Jordan. Now, Jordan is one of the players that's playing um, over uh, in the UK and he's, he's attempting to qualify for the uh, Open Championship, which will be at uh, Hoylake, which is uh, his home course. He's a member of the uh, track there. So it's a real motivation for him to go and play well this week or for him to go and try and qualify at least. But uh, Jordan, again... 75 to 1, I backed him yesterday. He's been absolutely hammered in the market. 55 to 1 is the best price out there now, and probably going to go off short of 50 to 1, maybe even 45 to 1. So if you fancy Matty Jordan, um, time to, uh, to to make sure that you get the, the price sooner rather than later. Uh, as I said, yeah, home home track for him, the, uh, the Royal Liverpool. Um, from the Wirral, he won the St. St Andrews Lynx Trophy, the Lytham Trophy, both of them as an amateur. And uh, he's got lots of, you know, if we're talking about this being kind of linksy in style, he's got loads of linksy style form as well. Fifth at the Dunhill Links back in 2019, uh, sixth at Fairmont St Andrews in 2021, fifth at Doha uh, for the Qatar Masters, which is always a course that I like to correlate to linksy style uh, golf. And that was back in 2022. Fourth here last year, playing some nice stuff. Ninth at the Volvo Mixed. 11th after 54 holes last week. I think his game's pretty close, mate, Jordan. And um, uh, yeah, unless he goes and qualifies for the um, for the Open and then pulls out, I think he's going to have a um, a good chance here this week. And the final one I've backed, uh, Soren Kielton. Again, I backed him at 225 yesterday, 225 to 1. Um, there's 200 to 1 out there right now. And again, he's, uh, he's another one that's been backed in. Um, so yeah, I, 
either I'm thinking along very similar lines to a lot of other punters or um, or the bookies are just slashing prices um, on a whim at the moment. Don't know, one of the two. Anyway, Kjeldsen, a um, bit of experience, 48 years old now. And uh, the guy sits right at the bottom of the driving distance charts, 274 off the tee. I think you and I could uh, get close to that, Steve, with the wind mm. behind us. Um, <laughs> these uh, these shorter tests, though, I think you know if 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 Kelton's going to go out with a bang before he gets to the uh, to the senior tour, then these shorter tests are the best chance that he's got of um, picking up that final win. He was fifth most recently at the Volvo Mixed, um, and that was on another sub seven thousand yard short course. He was runner up here to David Horsey back in twenty fifteen. Eighth the year after, he was fourth at the halfway point here last year. So he can still compete and contend around these parts. Hits it straight, can handle a bit of breeze. Um, I think with the home crowd cheering him on, he could be a, it could be a local fairy tale potentially. Uh, you know, before he disappears off to the senior tour, we shall see. Anyway, Kelson, Matty Jordan, Adrian Otegi, Dior Bjorn Olsen, my four for this week. Barry, are you uh, dabbling in the DP world this week? Little bit. Nothing too crazy. Um, I have gone... I backed Callum Hill last week, and he gave me a nice place return. So he did. I, yeah. will he did. Retur- I will return the favor and put more money on him. Mm. And the other one is Ewan Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, still thirty-five to one with bet three six five, eight places yeah. each way right now. I got outstanding. Greedy. I got greedy and just backed them both on the exchange at mm. forty and forty fours. See if you go down the route of um, playing brilliant golf and brilliant on this golf course, you and Ferguson at thirty-five to one's a must bet. It has to be. It's good value, right? It's fourth yeah, second year last year. He's got uh, eighth, fourteenth, and fourth, and his and fourth was last week in his last five events. Couple of mm. couple of whoopsie miss cuts in there, but thirty five to one uh, as a starting plate price is nice. So I just took forty on the exchange. Hmm. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it, it, you know, he sticks out in the stats, doesn't he? And I know you guys um, have both been on him in recent weeks as well. And as you say, you know, sometimes if the week you take here. You, know, you take you take the bet away and, and and don't place it as the week they pop up. So yeah, I can see the logic very much. So, so he was second here last year to Wilson, mm. and he's playing outstanding golf, Ferguson. So yeah, I'm on him as well. He 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 stood out at that price. I've just actually put the bet on with bet three six five because that's 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 a great price. But if we're going down this route of weren't playing great golf when they won here. I'm taking Robert McIntyre, 25 to 1. Now, that's not a price you see very often on the DP World Tour and Robert McIntyre. No. And actually, you said earlier, you know, course form here seems to be quite important. Well, McIntyre finished second here in 2019, and he was 12th here last year. Hmm. And actually, that incoming form of miscut 14, miscut 18, 39 seems to be the kind of form that winners have here. So, yeah, McIntyre. And I'm going to take one for the team, boys. I, I don't care. I'm going to take one for the P- team. I'm going to go back to Guido. <laughs> oh. 
Because I tell you what, Guido's form looks very similar to what winners here look like as well. And you look at Guido, second here in 2021. Mm. Miscut, miscut, 10th. We all jumped on him last week. He's literally tied for the lead going into Sunday. Finished 28th. I could see him coming here and actually turning us all over the week after. Because that is Guido Migliotti. Mm. So yeah, I'm on. I'm going to go on Guido as well at fifty to one and take one for the team on Guido. Yeah, I just couldn't quite stomach it myself. But oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> he's sixty-six to one with Unibet right now, Guido. Wow. I might have to dig out my uh, my Unibet login <laughs> details and see that if I've got any funds they haven't snuffled away through my inactivity. That's a big price. He's he's easy on the exchange, Steve. Don't worry about it. Just go go there. I'll go there instead then. So I'm going to have Guido. I'm going to have Robert McIntyre. And I'm going to go Ewan Ferguson for the bloody obvious. That's me. Hmm. Good stuff. Good luck with your bets, gents, this week. Yeah, best of luck, boys. You too, lads. Best of luck to listeners. What we got next week? Scottish Open? Scottish Open, yeah. Cracking field next week. Rora, Rora, Rory, Chef Lazander, JT Spieth, all sorts coming over next week. Aberg's playing as well. Hmm. Should be good. Mm. And then next week as well, at the end of next week, we'll be recording our Open Championship research podcast, which those major podcasts on the research side are always popular. I hope your bets go well, listeners, and we'll be back next week. See you soon. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system the goal